0: I want you to picture it's first century B.C. It's an entire generation before Jesus Christ would be born. The nation of Israel is in a severe drought, a drought like they've never seen in their life. It, it, it was so severe, historians say, that it threatened to wipe out the entire country. There was no; They were not able to hydrate themselves. They were not able to grow agricultural, they were not able to produce any kind of meat, they were not able to function, they were not able to live, it had been years since there had been rain. They were in a time that historians call the period of silence, meaning it had been years since God had sent a prophet on the scene and God had spoke through a prophet to give them a message. It had been years in the people's minds since they had audibly heard from God. But there was one old man, they said he was a very eccentric man, who talked very rarely, walked around with a huge staff. And this old man still believed that God could hear his people. Though they had not heard from God, he believed God could hear from them. Historians say his name was Honey, And he was famous for one thing, his ability to pray for rain. He had a reputation for that. They say there was a day he walked out into the middle of the city as the city was literally counting down the days that their extinction would come because of the drought. And they say it was on this day that he earned the nickname that would stick with him to this day, Honey the Circle Maker. They say Honey walked out. He said nothing. He walked into the center of town. He pulled out his staff. And he began to draw a huge circle in the sand. Everyone began to notice. Everyone began to pay attention. Everybody began to watch the crazy old man. Once the circle was drawn, they said, "Honey, stepped into the middle of the circle. And he vowed to God not to leave the circle until rain came. Everybody was there. Josephus, the historian who recorded it, says instantly it began to sprinkle. The people began to cheer. It was a mist that came over the land. He said, "Honey, raised up his hand to silence the crowd. And he called out to God and said, for not a light mist have I vowed to stand in this circle. They said instantly the mist turned to huge drops of rain. It was raining so hard and so violently that this town that had gone years without rain, the streets began to flood. People began to run in fear, thinking God was trying to punish them for what they deemed the arrogance of Honi. He said, Honi lifted up his hand and called out to God and said, For not a violent rain is this have I vowed to stay in this circle. Those who are witnessing this take place said instantly, the violent rain turned to a beautiful rain. And raindrops began to fall. And they said, For weeks on end it rained. And it saved the nation of Israel. And in that instance, the circle maker was born. Honey knew something that every one of us know. But I think it's one of those things that we've heard so often that we take it for granted. And that is simply this statement. Prayer is the greatest weapon we have as a Christ follower. I want you to think about prayer, to think about the fact that we have access to the living God to be able to go to him with our wants and go to him with our needs and go to him with our fears and go to him with our praise. We don't have to go through the priest. We don't have to go through the preacher. We don't have to go through our spouse. We don't got to email. We don't got to text. We don't got to call. We don't got to be put on hold. We don't got to get somebody from India on the other side of the phone. We have direct access to God. That's an amazing thing. Yet, we have this amazing gift, and very few of us actually use it. We have this amazing ability, and yet we go through the motions in our prayer life. We have all these false images of what prayer is. We think it's big words in a fancy way to impress people around us. We think it's a get-out-of-jail-free card. We think, I think the most telling thing to me is, we think prayer is a last resort. How many times have we known somebody that was going through a hard time, they were going through a physic, physically hard time, they were going through a time of about to lose everything, and we throw up our hands and we say, almost in resignation, All we can do now is pray. As if that's our last option when it probably should have been our first option. Social media has made the word prayer even mean less because it's so easy to type praying. Sorry you're going through hell. Sorry you've lost everything. Hey, praying. I'm really never going to take the time to pray, but I'm going to put it in this comment where everybody sees it, where you know, hey, praying. Prayer's with you. We've taken the greatest gift of God next to salvation and we've cheapened it into a last resort, into a something we throw up. (laughs) It's time some of us learn the power of, Myself included because there's probably no area of my life that I can get to where I take it for granted like the area of prayer. We need to get back to learning the power and drawing circles around things. If you've ever been to the back of this building that we've never done construction to, that we've never painted, you'll see there's circles all over the walls. Because five years ago, I talked about the circle maker, and we were building out this building, and we had a weeknight. We came here, and we drew circles all over this building and wrote prayer requests in them. There's names of people in those circles that attend this church now. There's, there's marriages that have been restored inside those circles. There's things that have happened in this building because they were names were on those circles. They're all over these walls. They've been painted over, but in the back, you'll still see the circles. There's power in circles. There's power in prayer. It's time we got so passionate in our prayer life that we call out to God and say, God, I want to see you move and I want to see you intercede in this situation so much that here's my circle and I'm not getting out of my circle. Someone recently came to me and asked me a question and I didn't mean to be a smart aleck in my answer, genuinely didn't mean to be a smart aleck in my answer. They said, My son is out of control. And they said, I've been praying that God would bring him back. And they said, But how long do I pray that? I said, Until he comes back. And they looked at me. I said, How bad do you want your son to come back from his addiction? I would give anything in the world. I said, I would sell everything I have, and I would start over in life. I said, no, you wouldn't. What do you mean? I said, because you're ready to give up on prayer already. You're not even willing to pray about it. There's power in prayer. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, and I will answer you. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. How do we find out those things? By calling to him. For all of you people who refuse to read your Bible because your excuse is it's too complicated, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Call to me, and when you call to me, not me, Gary, me, God, I will answer you. You call to me, I'm probably going to text you back. Busy. Call to me and I will answer you and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God says, if you call to me on this issue, I'm going to answer you in such a way that it takes it from a 7 to a 10. I'm going to answer you and I'm going to do things that you never expected me to do and I'm going to work in ways you never expected me to work. He, He says, because you're thinking in the natural and I'm thinking in the supernatural, but I'm waiting for you to call to me. What you need to call to me? Someone said, well, why, why, why? Can't, why won't he just do that? Well, we all have kids. The other day at our house, we were all eating dessert. Everybody but our eight-year-old. We all ate dessert, and he never ate dessert. One of the other kids said, why didn't Luke get dessert? I said, probably because he didn't ask. All he had to do was ask. Instead, he want to sit there silent, acting timid, being shy, acting like we were somehow excluding him because he simply didn't want to ask, can I have dessert too? No, son, we gave dessert to everybody in the house but you. Sometimes you just want to hear and you want to be asked. God wants to know how important something is to us. God wants to know how bad we want it, how long we're willing to stay in that circle. I love how simple God makes it. We as preachers complicate God. We complicate the gift of salvation. Someone asked me one time, they said, are you one of those preachers who believe this is what they call it, in theology? they call it easy believism. I said, absolutely. I just believe you call out to God and he saves you. I'm just. That's just what I believe. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. And I believe prayer is so simple, yet we've complicated it. God says all we have to do is call out to him. The story of Honey the Circle Maker is the power of a single prayer. One man, one man. I think the saddest verse in the Bible, I'm going to butcher this, I think it's in Ezekiel, and God says he was about to destroy us, and he said, I sought for a man, one man. He said, I sought for a man to stand among them, and I found none. One man had the faith to draw a circle and call out to God, and he saved a nation in the midst of that. The problem is when we pray, we don't pray like we serve a big God. We pray weak prayers. We pray timid prayers. We pray small prayers. I used to own a roofing company, and I did insurance claims on roofs and put roofs on everything, and it was probably the most money I ever made in my life. And the company grew, and I hired a staff, and the staff came on. And I always taught my staff on the very first day this principle. I said, in order to get a roof bought, you've got to do a couple of steps. You've got to inspect a roof. The insurance adjuster has to come approve a roof. You have to take off the roof. You have to put on a roof. You then have to turn in the paperwork. And you have to get the check. It's six steps. And I used to tell them all the time, it's the same six steps, whether it's a starter home or a $2 million home. But you're going to make a whole lot more money on the $2 million home than you do the starter home. You're not going to have to work any harder. You're not going to have to work any more. You just got to take those steps. So you can go take, do the same steps for a little bit of money, or you can go do the same steps and make a lot of money. The steps for prayer are the same, whether they're small prayers or big prayers. We call out to God, and he shows us great things. But we pray weak prayers. We pray wimpy prayers when what we need to do is we need to pray go big or go home prayers. I'm talking about huge prayers. I believe with everything that is in me and do not miss this. This is actually a conviction of mine. I believe bold prayers honor God and God honors bold prayers. Listen to me. If your prayers are not impossible, you're insulting God. I-, I believe God is offended by our weak prayers, our lack of faith prayers. You say, "Why do you think that?" Here's why: because they don't require divine intervention. There's some things I can do on my own. I I love God and want God involved in everything I'm involved in, but I don't need God involved in. I can be successful on my own. But there's some things that are so huge and so big that if God doesn't get involved, I'm going to fail miserably. And that's the kind of prayers God's praying for. There's God. nothing God loves more than keeping his promises, performing miracles, and answering for prayers. The bigger the circle we draw, the more God gets the glory. I I believe with everything that is in me, so many people are one prayer away from fulfilling the dream they have for their life. God's willing. God's ready God put that desire in you. He says he will give you the desires of your heart. He wants to answer us. But he's waiting to see the faith we have in prayer. If you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. God is for you. God's for you. God wants the best for you. Now let me make this very clear. That is not me preaching a prosperity gospel. That is not me saying that you won't go through hard times. That is not me saying if you pray for a million dollars, a million dollars is going to rain down from heaven. Sometimes God knows better for us than we know for ourselves. Sometimes God's got to take us through the fire. Sometimes you got to go through the valley. Matter of fact, scratch that. To get to the mountaintop, you always got to go through a valley. You never get to see the sunrise if you don't see the darkness. But God is for you. And if you don't believe God is for you, it affects the way you pray. You begin to pray small prayers, timid prayers, weak prayers. But when you believe that the God of the universe, the God who spoke everything into existence, the God who hounds the cattle on a thousand hills and has the hairs on your head numbered, when you believe that God is for you, you can't help but walk into the circle and pray big, hairy, audacious prayers. Either way, the direction of your life will be dictated by the prayers that you pray. You pray small, safe prayers, you'll live a small, safe life. You pray big, bold prayers, trust me, you'll live a big, bold life. If you ever are going to see God move in your life the way you want God to move in your life and the way God wants to move in your life, go big or go home with your prayers. If you're ever going to step in the circle you need to learn to pray the impossible because with God, everything is possible. I always like when we have a financial peace class. By the way, financial peace starts back today. Those of you that are signed up for that, starts at 4 o'clock today here. There will be child care. That starts back today for those of you that already started that class. But I always love the people in that class that have the biggest debt, the craziest debt. It's funny to me, those that are the best financially sometimes are the most skeptical of the class. Ah, I don't know if this is going to work. Those that have so in depth, they know, man, nothing else has worked. Maybe this will work. It's awesome. God, with God, everything is possible. It seems impossible to us, it's possible to God. We've been in this series called The Dash, And the reality is, I said, there's two birth dates on your there's two dates on your tombstone: the day you're born and the day you die. But the reality is, that last date is not the day so many of us die. The day we die is the day that we stop dreaming big. It's the day that we quit believing God for big things. It's the day that the rearview mirror gets a whole lot bigger in our mind than the front window. The day that we talk more about the good old days and the good old days to come is the day we stop dying. We honor God with big dreams and we honor God with big prayers. It it lets God know that, hey God, I want to live a life that is so big that you have to be involved in it. But so many of us have just got comfortable in our discomfort. We've accepted what society says is normal. Normal is you work nine to five in a job you hate, come home to a house you hate, you go buy a bunch of things and get in debt up to your year so you got to work for the man the rest of your life, you have no life of passion and no life of interest, and we just go through the motions. Normal is being in a miserable marriage. Normal is having a job that you can't stand. Normal is not being able to retire. I saw the other day that the average age a person retires is 67 and the average age a person dies is 78. So we live our whole lives, work our whole lives being miserable to hope to be able to live the last 11 years of our life doing what we enjoy. F that. I had to process in my mind for a minute how to properly articulate that word. Forget that. I'm not doing it. Knock yourself out. You do it. I'm not doing it. I got the dreaming big part down. I got to get refocused on the praying big. But we're too afraid to dream big. We're afraid we might fail. We're afraid that what it will actually take to make the dream happen. We're afraid of what others will think. Set sat around a group of people that I loved last night and was talking about some plans that Christine and I are making and not one of them had a positive thing to say about it. I'm not mad about them. I'm not mad. That's human nature. Every one of them, though, and they weren't trying to be mean. I love every one of them. But every one of them was like, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And have you thought about this? No, we haven't thought about crap. We don't have a brain. (laughs) Here's the difference, though. We don't care. You know why? They can question anything. It's not their dream. There's a lot of dreams around that group of people that are great dreams. They aren't my dreams. I could sit back and nitpick their dreams to death all day long because they're not my dreams. That's the awesomeness of dreams. But we're afraid of what others are thinking. We allow that to influence our dreams. So we stop dreaming and we stop asking God for huge things. And instead of believing God for huge things, we keep on with our small, weak, timid, lifeless prayers. As the days of our life tick away, And our purpose goes down the drain. I just can't do it. I don't want you to do it. I want this to be a church full of circle makers. People who understand huge prayers. Let's just be honest for a minute. I don't know Honey. I don't know his mindset. But there had to be a part of him before that first raindrop fell that maybe possibly just felt a little bit foolish. Maybe he genuinely didn't care, but I, I know there'd be a part of me that'd feel a little bit foolish. Standing inside a circle and demanding rain is a risky move. Vowing that you won't leave the circle until it rains is even riskier. But notice something, honey, he didn't draw a quarter circle. He didn't draw a half circle. He drew a complete circle. He, he, he backed himself into a corner, and the only way out was God. I've always lived by this mindset when I'm chasing dreams. Burn everything down behind me. That way I can't turn around. I that bridge, burn that bridge down. Because if the bridge is still there, it's easy for me to turn around and retreat. In Bible college, I went to a very small Bible college, and I was in a graduating class of about 35 men. Of the, it was a night college. It just happened to be local, so I went to it. It was a night college, and everybody in the class, 33 of the people, 33 of the 35, all were married, had full-time jobs, and were more established in life if you will two of us weren't to this day 22 years later me and the other non-established guy are the only ones in full-time ministry here's why not because those men weren't called but they didn't burn the bridge behind them they were afraid to leave the $60,000 a year job they were afraid to leave the three-bedroom two-bathroom house it was nothing for me to pack up and move to Iowa and go start a church. I lived in a one-bedroom apartment in Winder, Georgia that had more roaches in it than it had anything in it. I had nothing. So I can move to Iowa and have nothing just as easily. Matter of fact, I, I had more because it was too cold for roaches. So many of us, we want to step out on our dream, but we want to hold on to this. Oh. Don't work like that. Once you're in the circle, you've got to pray. There's a great story in the Bible, probably one of my favorite stories all, found in Joshua 10, that is the epitome of go home. Go big or go home. I love Joshua. If you don't know who Joshua is, Joshua was a bad dude. Moses delivers the children of Israel out of slavery. Before he can get into the promised land, he dies and God puts Joshua in place. And Joshua was a leader. Have you ever heard the expression peacetime leader and wartime leader? Anybody's heard that expression? Joshua was a wartime leader. They were about to take the promised land and they put Joshua in there and he was a bad dude. He, he wasn't what we would call a Christian leader today. Most Christian leaders today are a whole lot Mr., more Mr. Rogers than they are Jack Bauer. Are they not? I mean, literally, most Christian leaders are some of the most feminine men I've ever met in my life. They went to cemetery, I mean, seminary. They got cultured. They got educated. And they got real passive. They forgot where the Bible talks about how the gospel had forcefully was advanced. They've turned Jesus into some long-haired hippie. Who sat side saddle on a horse and walked around petting a little lamb with a purple sash? Instead of the warrior who's gonna come back with a sword from his mouth, riding a horse with King of Kings and Lord of Lords tattooed down his legs. Joshua was a bad dude. Joshua, he's about to enter in and go to battle. And the odds are stacked against him. In every battle that Joshua ever went into, the odds were stacked against him. But here he busts out a big sun standstill prayer. Look at what he says. Joshua 10. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand, and not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. And Israel pursued them all along the road up Beth-Haron and cut down all the way. As they fled before Israel, can't read up here, I'm going blind. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth-Haron, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. And more of them fled from the hell. They were killed. So God begins to throw hell, hell out on Joshua and his men are even having to fight. The hell's killing them. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Now check it out. He's going to battle. He knows he's got to defeat this, but it's getting nightfall. He knew if nightfall came, the enemy would escape. So he prays. Son, stand still over Gibeon. And you moon... Over the valley. That's a big prayer. We're in the middle of battle. And did you see what Joshua just prayed? He's in the battle. And he prays for God to cause the sun to stand still in the sky. God, I'm in battle. Here's what I need from you not God make my men strong, God not give us the victory, not some vague prayer. God, here's what I need. I need the sun to stand still. I need more daylight where we can go and win this battle. I can't do it when nightfall comes, God. It was a specific prayer. God, make the sun stand still god i know that the sun coming up and going down affects the entire world but here's what i need to win this battle just cause the sun to freeze right there for a little while that's go big or go home because he did it in front of everyone what if god didn't answer the prayer joshua would have looked real foolish but he didn't care God caused the moon to stand still, caused the sun to stand still. Joshua understood the principle, go big or go home in your prayer life. God under I mean, Joshua understood the importance of prayer. That's a big time prayer. That's a make it or break it prayer. It's a make it or break it prayer. If God answers the prayer, Joshua keeps the respect of his men. If God does not answer that prayer, Joshua loses the respect of everyone. I think Joshua's lost it. He just prayed for God to cause the sun to stand still. That was his military strategy. It didn't happen. I don't know that we follow him anymore. Go big or go home. When you're in the prayer circle, listen to me. When you're in the battle and you know what you need to win, there will come a time when you have to decide, are you going to pray boldly, or are you going to pray safely? You cannot do both. You cannot take... Someone told me the other day said, got this vision for my life, and I'm just trying to get in a position where it's a safe risk. Well, then it's not a risk. A safe risk isn't a risk. A safe risk is lack of faith in God. A safe risk is, man, do you, do you really believe God called you to do that? I have. Ste- I, I, there's a lot in my Christian faith I am really bad at. Stepping out in faith is probably one of the things I'm the best at. Because I'm just stupid enough to believe that where God leads, God feeds. I just do. I, like, I've told you before, God, here I go. We both going to look real dumb if it don't work. I just do it. That doesn't mean I don't put research into it. It doesn't mean I don't have strategy behind it. But I just believe we serve a big God. I mean, look around this world, the world, the globe. We serve a God who spoke that into existence. He's a creative God. He's a big God. He took the void of nothing and made everything. You think your prayers are big to Him? No. But we're scared to pray. Joshua praised this prayer, God, sun, stand still, moon, stand still. And look what the Bible says. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar, The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. I love that passage. And the fact that I just read that passage and you remained quiet shows how common A sermon on prayer has become to us. The God of the universe caused the sun to stand still in the sky. And it doesn't even get us excited. You got a dream to step out and you think that's a big prayer. Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still. He made the freaking sun in the sky to freeze. And we're whole hum about it. No wonder our prayer life sucks. No wonder we don't see God move in huge ways. No wonder we don't see people living the life they were created for. We have just been desensitized to the power of prayer and the power of God. He's a big God who demands big prayers so how do we pray big i'm glad you asked six of you will get this and have your life changed the rest of you the next time i preach in three years will still be like oh man i wish i could get that but i've just decided my new philosophy on preaching is i'm preaching to the six you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink I'm going to show you the awesomeness of this book. And what you do with it is what you do with it. The first thing we got to do is we got to pray with audacity. I just dig that word, so I put it in there. Audacity. I hit that word the other day for 47 points on my Scrabble app. Audacity. (laughs) Listen to this. Our prayers ought to be so big that God gets blamed for them. Our prayers ought to be so big that God gets blamed for them. Most of our prayers are so small, let's just be honest, God's not needed. We pray wimpy prayers, and God says, I want you to pray audacious prayers. We pray <laughs> prayers like this. This is my, and I'm, listen, guilty. I'm not bashing you. I am so guilty of this. God, blah, 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 blah. If it be thy will, as if God needed an escape clause. Hey, thanks for clearing that for for me, big guy. If it's my will, <laughs> wimpy prayers. Joshua prayed big, bold prayers. When was the last time God did something in your life that was so huge that everyone around him knew that's a hundred percent God? He did, and Tom was a drinker. How many? How long now, Tom? Five years. years. That wasn't Tom. That's God. When was the last time God showed out in your life in such a big way that no one but Him could get the credit? When was the last time you asked God to cause the sun to stand still in your life? Let's break this down in a way that you'll understand. Let's say hypothetically that since the sheltered in has been put into place, that I have maybe become addicted to these chocolate chip cookie dough that they have at Sam's. It's like manna from heaven. (laughs) And let's say hypothetically that I don't know why my wife has become this wife. Maybe she thinks I'm stressed or she knows I'm stressed. And so she, she has become that wife that literally, literally every single night makes a whole pan of cookies. She might eat a half a cookie. The kids, believe it or not, we have made so many cookies. Don't even eat any of the cookies. But somehow, mysteriously, every morning all the cookies are gone. I have blamed the eight-year-old for the cookies. But the reality is no one believes that because no as much as that boy can eat, he could not eat a whole pan of cookies. I can At the end of the day, I can blame anybody I want in the house. I've tried to blame the dogs. But the reality is, I'm the only one who can get credit for eating all the cookies. Jerry, shut up. Run that mouth again, you might not almost get run over on the train tracks, you will. Listen, that's how it ought to be with God just one of those things that you're like man it don't matter who you try to give the credit to god gets the credit for that we need to pray prayers that are so big that when god that when people see them answered, they know man that was all god there ain't no way that idiot pulled that off there's no way that chick made that happen it couldn't be anyone else but god that's praying with audacity It's believing something so big that God has to intervene for it to happen. People knew it had to be God. Joshua didn't have the ability to make the sun stand still. Had to be God because it was so big, it was so audacious. Only God could make that happen. I want to pray prayers that are so big that everyone knows that can't be gary that cannot be christine that is god look what god's doing over there because when you pray prayers that are so big that only god gets the credit guess what happens the bible says when the son of man is lifted up he'll draw all men into me you're drawing people to god by showing the awesomeness of god 1 John five fourteen says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You can go to God boldly. What I'm trying to do is take your prayer life to a whole nother level. Your prayer life is here. Your prayer life is weak. I'm not bashing you today. I'm just saying that's just the reality of our prayer life. We just take it for granted. We think we got the bat phone, boom. And God says, I want you to see what I'm capable of doing. Is it possible, I'm just asking a question, is it possible God isn't answering your request because he's simply insulted by the smallness of your request? Could God be saying no because he's got something so much bigger in mind for you? God refuses to allow you to settle. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to pray audacious prayers. You know something else we need to do? This is a key one. We need to pray accurate prayers. What I love about Joshua's prayer is he didn't just throw up a haphazard prayer. He assessed the situation and decided that what he needed to win the battle was for the sun to stand still. So when he went to God, he went to God with an accurate prayer. He went to God with a specific prayer. He went to God with a thought-out prayer. He knew that his prayer was right for the situation that he was in. It wasn't a vague prayer. It wasn't a bland prayer. It wasn't a vanilla prayer. He knew what he needed, and he asked specifically what he needed. Another one of the prayers that just drives me crazy, and again, guilty of doing it all the time. Lord, we just pray you'd be with us. And God's like, I'm always with you. I already said that in the book. You don't need to pray that. Lord, just be with me. Lord, bless this faith. Lord, thy will be done. Lord, just forgive me of this. Just plan like blanket prayers that cover everything. Lord, I pray you just bless me. No, no, no. Lord, I pray you'd bless me. And here's what I feel like you've laid on my heart. Lord, I pray you would bless me in this area with this and this way and that way. And, Lord, I need this to make this happen. Lord, because here's the deal. There's no way this this burning inside of me came from me. It didn't come from Mexican food, Lord. It's come from you, the Holy Spirit of God, and it will not go away. And I'm calling out to you in a sun stand still way because here's specifically what I need. We had a toddler in our house last couple of years. And toddlers are cool. But you know one of the most annoying thing about toddlers? They can't always tell you what they want. They get upset about something and they can't communicate what they're upset about. They're crying and they can't communicate why they're crying. And so you've got to play this guessing game with them. You hungry? You hurt? You checking every part of their body? You just being a brat? Like, what's going on? You know, huh. man, they, they grunt, I mean, they, they cry, man, they could be crying because the wrong TV show's on, they could be crying because they're hungry, they could be crying because they're crapped in their pants, they, they could be crying because you don't know what, what the deal is, man, it's frustrating. Yet we go to God just like that in our prayer life. We grunt, God's like, just tell me what you want. What's that movie with the guy in the, the notebook or something? there. Everybody posts a little video all the time. He's like, "What do you want? Just tell me what you want." And we like, we know what we want. God, I pray you would make my marriage vibrant. Lord, I pray you would turn my wife's heart back to me. Lord, I pray that you would help us to become debt-free in 18 months, Lord. Lord, I pray that you, in in two years from now, I'd be out of this job and I would be in this job in this field, Lord, because you know that's my passion. When was the last time you got specific? Lord, I pray you would bring my daughter so low and so miserable that she would have nothing to do but walk away from her addiction and turn to you because I can ride her and everyone else can ride her and everyone else can get in her face, Lord. But I pray you would break her, Lord. And that means you have to almost kill her to break her then almost kill her. That's specific prayers. My wife and I have two pieces of property we're looking at, and the one we really want is a long shot. And the second one we won't could probably happen. But here's the deal. I refuse for the second one to become an option to the first one is a 100% no. Right now it's 95% no. Most of you look at that and say it's time to move on. I look at it and say, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> when they tell me no, chance in hell it ain't gonna happen like cool god shut that door let's move on to the second piece but it won't happen can i tell you a secret i ain't prayed for the second piece of property one time i refuse to waste a prayer on the second piece of property second piece of property is great second piece of property is awesome but it ain't the first piece of property and it ain't getting one second of my attention I call the first piece of property our property. I see what we're going to do when we get our property. You say, well, are you going to be disappointed when it don't happen? Probably, but here's the deal. I'll trust God in that area then. Then I threw up the big, huge prayer, and he said, no, cool. God knows best. But until I hear 100% no, I don't care if the bank says no. I don't care if the real estate agent says no. I don't care if their real estate agent says no, because I got one guy who's like, eh. Oh, man but there's a chance <laughs> I have now got this guy so feeling so much pressure I've told this guy said so you say there's a chance I said, here's the deal, don't call me back with it. I just to the conversation happened. Don't call me back with a No, people told me you're the best. Freaking make it happen. I said, are, are you, don't you, just literally, what, what I told the guy on the phone. I said, don't you get bored of conventional loans that you can just do in your sleep for people that want to move into conventional homes and it's easy? I said, don't you want some kind of challenge? The guy called me and said, man, I'm pumped. I said, I, I didn't call this person and this person. Good. Don't tell me no until it's a no. Most of you would already given up though. Now, do I feel like the second piece is settling? Yep. Until I get a no over here. Now I get a no over here. I don't think the second piece is settling. But right now it's settling. I am specific in my prayers. I am specific in what needs to do. Hmm. So we need to pray audacious prayers. We need to pray accurate prayers. Oh my goodness, and here's the missing piece of prayer for almost everyone, because we're lazy. We need to pray action-filled prayers. I'm going to hunker down right here for a minute. That means the thing we're praying for has to be big enough that we're willing to put the hard work in for it. God, I want this first piece of property but I ain't going to call these people and call that people, and I'm not going to do the research on it, and I'm not going to try to get my finances in order to get it. God, just just make it happen. No, you need to put the work in. You pray, and then you work. You pray, and then you work. I, I, I want to go back here in a minute. I'm going to read the story to you again that I read to you, because I want you to see every time that Joshua moved as he's praying, because if you don't move, God won't move. God, hey, make this happen, but I'm just going to sit back and be lazy. God, I want to quit my job and go out and, and do this thing that I want to do, but I'm not going to put the work in to make it happen on the side. And not, I'm not willing to put the three years in as a side hustle to build it up where I can step away from the big time thing. I right, make it happen, Lord. It's not how God works. It's not how it works. James 2.17 says, In the same way faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I believe God's going to do this. You can say you believe it all day long. Are you willing to take the steps to make it happen? My wife tells me all the time. You can tell me you love me all day. Show me hate when she says that. God says, you can pray for it all day. Show me you're willing to go out and outwork everybody. Show me you're willing to do what no one else will do to get what no one else will get. Show me that you're willing to go to hell and back to get that kid clean. Show me that you're willing to, to go work your 40, 50-hour week, regular job that pays your bills, and then you're willing to come home and work 20 and 30 hours a week at your side hustle, well, one day your side hustle is going to be, become your 40 or 50 hours. Show me you're willing to work. God, I want this property. The problem with most of you is you just seen that first property, and the meant the first person said, no, you might. I guess it's not meant to be. I have found out more about loans and different types of loans than I ever want to know in my life. I don't care, except for one reason and one reason only. I want to know before I walk away from it. Martin Luther said this pray like it all depends on God. Then, when you're done, go work like it all depends on you. That's a good quote. Susie and Robbie, I want, to, I want to quit my job in the hot warehouse and, and not do it because, man, I've got health problems and I'm miserable. But you know what you didn't do? You didn't say, well, I'm just going to sit back and wait for the side job to take off. You started working that side job, then all hell broke loose, and the side job started more, making more money than the first job, and now the side job pays more than the first job. But had you never worked a side job, you'd have never known that and got to that point where you could quit the first job. That is powerful. <laughs> Prayer takes action. Now let's go back and I'm just going to hit the highlights. So verse 7, so Joshua marched up. That's an action with his entire army, including the best fighting men. So he's praying for God to stand still, but he's still going to march up ready for battle. Verse 9, can you get to verse 9, Xander? After an all-night march, they marched all night. Joshua took them by surprise. Took who? The enemy. He went to battle. Even though he's praying for God to cause the Son to stand still, he's still taking action. Israel pursued, verse 9. He cut them down. Verse 12, skip to verse 12, Xander. I don't even know if you're going you know, to follow with me. On that day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said, he's speaking, he's taking action. Uh, skip down to verse 15, Xander. Then Joshua returned. All action words. Even though he prayed for the sun to stand still, he still took the action needed. Talking to a buddy of mine recently, going through a bad time. I'm just I'm praying for God to work it out. I had to get in his face and say, you can pray all day long, it ain't going to work out. Why? I said, because you're not willing to get up there and work and make it work out. He said, you're being hard. I said, someone needs to be hard on you. Everyone else is patting you on your back, telling you a good job. It's not a good job. There's a reason you're in the position you're in. Look in the mirror and figure it out. I can't believe you talk to someone like that. i got five years investing in this person. I can talk to them any way I want to. I talk to them that way because I love them. You won't find anybody who loves someone pursuing their dreams bigger than me. I want marriage to work out. But I'm going to sit at home and drink all day because, man, God, that's going to make it better. <laughs> man, the more I get out in public, the more I'm blown away by how people cope with alcohol. It blows my mind how weak people are. Weak. Can't do the simplest thing without getting drunk. And they want to know why their life is shambles. Praying God to work it out. And you ain't going to work it out because you're not willing to work it out. We are lazy we don't want to put the work in god son stand still oh but we're going to pursue we're going to conquer we're going to take them by surprise we're going to do what needs to be done god and i believe god honors our faith being put into place Here's something I've learned in my life. I I feel like I beat up on you all the time, so let me beat up on myself for a minute. You know the number one prayer I pray all the time? And don't you say a word, woman. God, I feel so fat. God, I need to lose weight. Christine, when you making them cookies? God's not going to snap his fingers and be like, boom look at Gary he went from a 10 in the sexy scale to 15 on a scale of 1 to 10 world can't even handle it, you skinny Gary the reality is I don't put in the work God's not gonna zap me and just do it God's not gonna bless you with a job if you ain't out looking for one well I applied online You idiot! You just—this is everybody's fair line. You just don't know how it's done anymore. Here's what I know: I wouldn't be without a job. God deliver me from my addiction. Oh, I don't need to go to a meeting. I know everything they're going to tell me. Okay. God bless my marriage, but. I'm going to run around on her. God, don't let my kids make the same mistakes I made. But you're not going to take the action to teach them not to make those same mistakes. God, send me send me a wife. Well, take a shower. Get a job. Buy a house. Church out in Seattle. Big church, love the guy. He's awesome. He kind of... Focus on this. He won't even do weddings for people. If the guy doesn't have a full-time job, doesn't already own a house, I don't know why he does this, he doesn't know how to brew beer. He said, that's the three things that every man needs to do. He said, I'm, I'm not letting some lady, he, he, they can go get married on their own, but I'm not putting a blessing on some lady when her husband can't take care of her because he's unmotivated. Hey, gentlemen, want your relationship to be better? Quit playing video games 24-7. Like you're a kid. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, the Bible says. God bless my marriage. You don't want your marriage blessed. You won't even brush your teeth. Action's got to go with those prayers. God wants to see action on our part. God wants to see us pray and pursue pray and pursue the reality is for most of us our prayer life is weak the reality is for most of us is we don't see god move on our behalf anymore because our prayer life is weak you couldn't tell me the last time you prayed a sun stand still prayer i don't know how to gear you do now audacious prayers Accurate prayers and prayers that will move us to action cause God to move. Let's pray.